it's on, all right. I have a few announcements as we get started this morning, but first of all, I just want to welcome each of you. Uh, it is great to be together to worship our Lord and Savior, and as the uh, worship team were together and, and praying earlier this morning, one of the things that we prayed for would be, was that the Lord would be magnified, honored in everything that takes place here this morning, everything from our singing together uh, to uh, the students or the children downstairs being taught, our time in the word together as we give, uh, our fellowship even following the service, that all that we do would bring honor and glory to his name. And we prayed also that uh, for each one of us, our faith would grow today, and that that is our prayer, that each one of us would grow in our dependence upon the Lord, that we would uh, be strengthened by him, and that we would walk faithfully uh, in his ways as we seek to honor him as his people. A few announcements as we get started. Uh, first of all, a uh, reminder, next week is our family ministry meeting, uh, February 28th, and that will uh, we have a special event planned. We'll be going out and playing a little laser tag. I believe the instructions are to bring a bag lunch, is that right? And then we'll be leaving uh, after having lunch here at church. We'll head over uh, to Laser Dome to, for an afternoon of laser tag. Looking forward to a great time together. Also, uh, anyone who's interested in joining our uh, medical team, if you have a background in medical training, uh, please speak with Joanne Mueller after the service. She'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Joanne will be one of our lovely singers up front this morning, so you'll recognize who she is. She's the one who's not my wife, uh, so that should be easy for you. Uh, also, a reminder that... Uh, we hold prayer meetings each week before our Sunday service at 9.15 in the morning. Uh, you're encouraged to come out and be a part of that if you are so inclined. Uh, but uh, prayer is something that we are called to do together as the church. And this is a great opportunity for you to join with other brothers and sisters here at New Hope in praying for the needs that we're aware of and also uh, sharing anything that you have on your heart as well. Also, on Sunday, March 14th, we'll be holding a new members class for those who would like to learn more about the church, and it'll take place directly after the service. There'll be food provided, and you can sign up at the information table if you're interested in taking part in this class. We certainly look forward to having you there. And also a reminder that uh, for those that uh, on Sundays that you're not able to be here for whatever reason, we are broadcasting and live streaming our services uh, and you can access those through our uh, church website. Also, our next work day at the Donegal Food Bank will be on May 5th from 1.30 to 3.30. If you have questions about that, please speak with Gene Schwarren. And finally, I'm going to ask uh, Brother Ed Fleming to come up and uh, give us another announcement concerning the uh, Voice of the Martyrs event that we'll be hosting uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. I think we have a video we want you to see. It's about a minute long, so if you'll look at that and then I'll make a couple comments. Hi, my name is Todd Nettleton. I'm the host of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I hope you will join us for the Imprisoned for Christ virtual event. We're going to hear from three former prisoners for Christ about their times of trial, their times of suffering, and yet the goodness of God that shone through even during a beating, even in a solitary confinement cell, I know 
that after you hear their stories, you're going to be encouraged in your own walk with Christ. You're going to be encouraged to be more bold to advance his kingdom where you're at, in your neighborhood, in your job, in your school. This is going to be a great event that is going to challenge your faith. It's also going to remind you to pray for the thousands of our brothers and sisters who are still in prison right now for the name of Jesus Christ. I hope you'll join us for the Imprisoned for Christ virtual event. From that video, <clears throat> answering the question, why should I attend? What can I expect? Number one, you'll be encouraged in your Christian walk. Secondly, you will be more encouraged to be bold in sharing the gospel with your neighbors and those around you. Thirdly, you'll be challenged uh, in your own faith. Uh, Pastor Sam has been preaching through the Gospel of John and the key verses at the very end of that book talk about to keep on believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just a one-time event, it's a growing. And so you'll be able to grow in your faith in Jesus, the Son of the living God. And it'll also remind you to pray for the thousands of our brothers and sisters in prison for the name of Jesus Christ. Thousands. If you're not familiar with Voice of the Martyrs, you can get an app on your phone and material. So please come that night. We'd appreciate it. Also, there'll be an opportunity if you'd like to support financially their organization, which is helping those in prison. A couple of points of clarification. That brochure in the back there says 6.30. That's 6.30 Central Time. Thank you, Pastor Sam, for saying that because I, I missed that. It's 7.30 our time. 7.30 our time from 7 o'clock to 7.30. I understand there's going to be a time of fellowship and refreshments perhaps here so if you'd come we'd appreciate that and I did call the voice of the martyrs a question was asked is this appropriate for children her answer to me was this it is appropriate for children 10 years of age and older for sure you decide about the maturity of your own children as to whether or not I don't think there's going to be anything gruesome or terrible but you make a decision about your children for me I've always wanted my children, unless it was really graphic and terrible, I want them to know what's going on. But please make that decision on your own. That'll be a great thing. And starting next week, there'll be a sign-up sheet for you to put your name and that you're going to come. We'd appreciate as many. I've got 25 brochures to pass out. I, I don't know if I'm a man of faith or not, but I said, well, just send me 25. I'm sure that'll be enough. I hope it's not. Please come and join us. We'd love to have you. Let's stand for our call to worship, uh, which is from Psalm 98. You know, the funny thing is, I came in early this morning and loaded the new video, and I changed the call to worship, and then from the time that we turned the machine on and uh, the service started, everything had reverted back to before I touched it. Maybe I just dreamt it all. It's possible. Let's focus on the Lord. Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. 
All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for another day and another opportunity to gather together as those who have been redeemed by the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray, O oh Lord, this day for the help of your spirit as we seek to worship you well. Lord, many of us come today bearing many burdens, uh, many cares of this world. And Lord, we need your help. We need your help to see things as they truly are. We need your help to, to, to remember and stand upon the promises of your word. Lord, we need your help in being strengthened for greater faithfulness and love towards you and one another. And so, Lord, we come today in full dependence upon you, as we always should, uh, to, to help us to be the men and women and boys and girls that you have called us to be through faith in Christ our Lord. Lord, we commit this service to you. Lord, may the songs that are in our hearts and upon our lips bring glory to your name. Lord, may the things that are taught in classes and through the sermon this morning bring glory to your name. Lord, may our time spent together following the service and fellowship bring glory to your name. Lord, may our lives as we go forth from this place bring glory to your name. Lord, that we would truly be a, our lives would be a, a sweet aroma before you. And Lord, that we would have the, the aroma of salvation to those who we come in contact with in this lost and dying world. Help us, Lord, for without you we can do nothing, we pray in your name. Amen.
I have several prayer requests to make you aware of and update you on from the previous, previous week. Uh, first of all, a couple of items for praise. Uh, number one, uh, Jim Holler, uh, Joanne Mueller's father, is uh, home again from the hospital and doing much better, and so we praise God uh, for that reality and for those an- answer to prayer. Uh, also, uh, Christina Doggerty's friend's uh, friend Miley, uh, as you know, she was having a tumor removed last week. Uh, that was removed, and turns out that is uh, not cancerous, and so we praise God for that and pray for her continued uh, recovery and uh, uh, just as she has a long road ahead still, even from the uh, strokes that she encountered last year as well. So please continue to pray for her. Uh, we praise God also for his provision in Christy Humbert's life of a new job and uh, continue to pray for her as she embarks on this new endeavor. Uh, and also uh, Angela, uh, Angela's Aunt Karen, you heard about her last week, uh, who had been hospitalized with COVID. She is home from the hospital and is improving, and we certainly praise God for that as well. Um, some ongoing situations that you've heard of that we ask you to continue to pray about. Uh, you received an email, our email prayer request on Sunday night uh, for Brian Horst and his family. Uh, undoubtedly, you've heard about that over the past week. Uh, 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 Brian's ex-girlfriend and uh, the mother of his son actually uh, committed murder last Sunday night and uh, now uh, leaving Brian and other uh, family members to pick up the pieces and just ask that you would continue to pray for this situation. Pray for Brian as he is uh, taking the important and needed steps that he needs to to be able to care well for his son, uh, but also for uh, the families that have been affected by this incredible act of violence uh, this will undoubtedly be a, a very messy situation moving forward, and I know that uh, the horse would appreciate your prayers and just for wisdom going, going forward in this situation. Also, please continue to pray for the Good family. Uh, we uh, mentioned that uh, last Sunday. Um, Brian Good uh, is the uh, nephew of, of uh, Sue and Rick Nisley, uh, lost his wife in an accident uh, two weeks ago, and um, you know, undoubtedly we'll still be dealing with a lot in relation to that and the grief that's involved in that um, for for several weeks and months to come. Um, And so please continue to pray for them. Pray for the Nisleys as they seek to care well and be a light in this situation uh, and share the gospel uh, with him and and with the family, that uh, family members that are not saved. Uh, Please uh, pray also for a neighbor of ours, Pam Wallace. uh, those of you who remember Kylie Nogle, uh, she, it's, Pam is her mother. Uh, Pam is recovering uh, from vascular surgery, but she reached out yesterday via phone to ask that we be in prayer for her sister-in-law, who's been diagnosed with cancer, uh, and also for her brother, who is uh, John Hopkins with a brain bleed. And uh, she was just very distraught uh, about the situation and asked that we pray, and, and that we pray not just for them physically, but also spiritually as well. And we certainly want to be faithful to do that. Uh, also, uh, we need to be in prayer for uh, Ruth Wallstrom, one of our members, who has been uh, continually uh, dealing with some physical struggles, and uh, that continues this weekend as well. So please be in prayer for Ruth and for her needs. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, our list is long this morning, and regards to the items that are in need of prayer, and it just serves 
uh, to remind us and even for many of us make us long for the day when we see you face to face and we are no longer dealing with the brokenness and the effects of sin on this world. And so, Lord, I pray that as we are aware of, of so many needs, and undoubtedly many of us face other struggles as well, Lord, that you would help us to be mindful of, uh, Lord, not only what is to come, but also of, of the reality of your abiding presence with all of those who are yours. Uh, we have your Spirit within us bringing comfort and Lord, I pray that as we deal with the dark darkness and the pain that is uh, so evident in this world, Lord, that you would help us to continually find our joy and our strength in you. Lord, even as we celebrate the many joys that you bless us with in this life, I pray that we would do so, uh, Lord, mindful of the fact that you are the source of everlasting joy and comfort and so, Lord, as we grieve, as we struggle, as we rejoice in every circumstance, Lord, may we do so in faith, drawing near to you, seeking to, 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 to be thankful for all that you are doing in every circumstance that we face, even as we'll be reminded of that this morning from your word. Uh, Lord, may we truly stand upon these promises. Lord, we thank you for our items of praise this morning. We thank you for... Uh, the good news about Miley and about Jim Holler and uh, about Aunt Karen and, and for Christy Humbert, Lord, in all these things we rejoice in, in knowing that you are the one who has been at work in each one of these circumstances as you will continue to do. Lord, we pray for those who are in need today. Lord, we think of Pam Wallace, her sister-in-law and her brother, all of whom are facing significant uh, physical trials. Lord, we pray for your hand upon them physically, and we pray also, Lord, for your hand upon them spiritually as well. Lord, in each situation, Lord, that you would open eyes and hearts to the truth of the gospel, Lord, that they would recognize, as we all should, that our greatest need is not the lack of physical suffering, but our greatest need is to see you as you are. Lord, that we would see ourselves as we are, as sinners in need of salvation. And Lord, we pray for them, those that do not know you, Lord, that they would respond in faith to what Christ has done. Lord, we pray for our brother Brian Horse today and for your hand upon him in his time of need. Lord, as he has many decisions to make and Lord, as he is seeking to, to act swiftly and decisively in the best interest of his son, Lord, we pray that you would guide his steps. Lord, that you would help him to draw near to you in faith. Lord, we thank you for godly parents who want to counsel him well. Lord, so would you be with Tom and Joanne and give them wisdom as well. And Lord, we pray that uh, you would just be at work every step of the way, that you would guide and direct him. Lord, we pray for Garrett, that Lord, uh, even as his young mind has so much that he cannot comprehend or even know about at this time, Lord, we pray that you would be at work, Lord, uh, bringing about faith in his life. Lord, we, we want to see him come to know you at a young age and learn what it means to, to follow you his whole life long. Lord, we pray also for the Nisleys and, and the Good family this morning, Lord, praying for your Spirit's comfort upon Brian and upon his daughter. Lord, we ask that you would uh, be at work also, Lord, strengthening his faith as well. Uh, Lord, it has been shared that he knows much about your word and can give the right answers. And Lord, we pray that those right answers have led to real faith in his life. Um, 
Lord, thank you for his cousins and his aunt and his uncle who desire to see him come to know you. And I pray, Lord, that you would give them wisdom as they care for him and support him. Uh, Lord, that you would bring about uh, uh, beauty from these ashes of this tragic situation. Uh, do good to this family, we pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, we continue to pray for Ruth. You know the physical struggles that she has been under. Lord, we pray that each one of these that she faces would serve to strengthen her dependence upon you. Uh, Lord, we ask for relief for this pain that she's having in her foot this weekend. And Lord, that she would draw near to you in her time of need. Lord, as we continue in worship, Lord, we lift up our children today as they prepare to go downstairs. Lord, asking that you would uh, bless them in their faith and in their walk with you as they are taught this morning. We pray for young minds and hearts that are open to the truth. Lord, we pray for teachers and helpers that find great joy in serving you in this way. And Lord, we pray that the fruit of those lessons would spring forth into eternal glory for your name. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. stand and sing. Yeah. 
Day and night, we can all. 
morning we continue our study in the Gospel of John. Today, Lord willing, we will conclude chapter 4 by focusing on verses 43 through 54. I'd ask that you would turn there in your Bibles as we prepare to worship through time in God's Word. John chapter 4, beginning at verse 43. After the two days, he, being Jesus, departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they, too, had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come to Judea from, to, from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed, and all his household. This was now the second sign Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Let us pray. Father, there is not one person in this room or who will ever hear this message that does not need the truth that we find in these verses. And Lord, you intimately know the weaknesses of the one who is trying to proclaim it. So I ask that you would do a miracle among your people this day. Lord, for some, that is the miracle of illumination as your people understand your word by the work of your spirit in our hearts and minds. For others, that a miracle may indeed be the work of regeneration and salvation 
as their eyes and hearts are open to the truth of the gospel and their need for what Christ has done in order to restore them to you forever. There are those among us who need your comfort. There are others of us who are way too comfortable with our sin. There are others who need reminding that there is a much greater joy that is to come. And your word applies to each and every one. Lord, I pray that you would grant us a holy moment in your word. As your spirit works mightily in the hearts and minds of your church. I ask this, Lord, not for my own glory or that the people of this church would feel something but that your greatness would be seen in each one of our lives. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It has been a very difficult week, personally speaking. sharing with a brother this morning that it was a week of a hardened heart. <laughs> I was tempted by bitterness, disappointment, frustration, anger. And yet, as we look to the Word of God this morning, we are reminded yet again from the Gospel of John that Jesus is a Savior and a help and a Messiah for every circumstance in life. And so whether we are rejoicing this morning or struggling or are convicted, rightly so, by the work of God's Spirit for some sin in our lives, Jesus is a great Savior. That's it. That's the introduction to the passage. No witty stories, no clever lead-in that's it. That's who we see this morning as we come to the end of John chapter 4 and as we tackle these verses in their context, not just in the whole of chapter 4, but in this entire section of John that's coming to an end, chapters 2 through 4, my prayer is that we will see that. And that will change us. That we will be set free from petty offenses and lifelong hurts that we've allowed to, to shape our identity 
And that we will walk in the freedom and forgiveness and the, and the love that is ours received through our great Savior. He doesn't just love us when times are good. This morning, as we tackle this passage, I will do so under two very simple headings. First of all, we're going to consider the setting, what's going on, and then secondly, the miracle itself. And it is my prayer that we will be strengthened as this church. Let's look to the setting, verses 43 through 45. Jesus returns home to Galilee. After two days, he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they too had gone to the feast. Now as I mentioned before, this section of John began way back in chapter 2 where Jesus performed his first public miracle in turning the water into wine at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, which was just a few miles from Jesus' hometown of Nazareth. Now, if you were here with us, hopefully you remember, and if you weren't, this is news to you, but following this event, Jesus heads south to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And if you remember there in uh, chapter, uh, the end of chapter 2, Jesus cleanses the temple when he comes to town by driving out those doing their business there, the money changers and those who were selling animals for sacrifice. But Jesus didn't leave after cleansing the temple. He hung around, and it tells us in, in John chapter 2 that, that during his time there in Jerusalem, Jesus performed other miraculous signs publicly before the people. It was during this time there that, that the Pharisee Nicodemus visited Jesus under the cover of darkness. You remember that from chapter 3. And in that encounter, that exchange between Jesus and Nicodemus, we saw how little Nicodemus understood concerning the true identity of the Messiah. And in chapter 4, Jesus begins his return trip home to Galilee, and he makes that unexpected stop in Samaria, where we saw last week that revival breaks out. This happens following his encounter with the woman at the well and then his encounter with the people of her village. And John concludes his account of their time in Samaria with the testimony of the Samaritans in verse 42. We know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Now, I bet that the disciples were fired up on their way home to Galilee. I mean, think about it. They stopped in Samaria, a place they didn't want to go 
or to begin with, much less spend any time at. They go into Sychar, the village there, and when they return to the well, what's Jesus doing but breaking all cultural norms by talking to this Samaritan woman, this Samaritan woman who it turned out was very adulterous. She was a sinner. She leaves, and, and Jesus has this moment of teaching with his disciples where he says, Listen, guys, you went to buy me physical food, but there's a greater food that feeds my soul, and that is doing the will of my Father. And then he hints at the fact that that's going to become their food too as he points to the villagers coming out to him saying, Look, the, the fields are white with harvest. you got work to do, boys. And so they join with Jesus over this two-day period that he spends in Sychar with the Samaritan villagers. And they believe. They believe. They believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So they had to be fired up. If you've ever been a part of any type of ministry, whether it can be music ministry or some type of evangelism or, or anything where you're serving others and you see the Spirit of God at work in people's lives and it blesses you, it excites you. You want to you see more of that, right? That's what we're here for. We're here to bring glory to God. We're, we're here to tell others about what Christ has done. We're here to show the love of God. We're here to stand for truth. And as we do those things, there is, a, is, a, is an excitement that we often experience. Not always, but often. So I bet they were riding pretty high on the way back to Galilee. But Jesus has a warning for them. Verse 44, For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. Now, I don't know about you, but as I consider these verses, these three verses in their total context, that with verse 45 saying that, that the Galileans welcomed Jesus, this statement about no honor is a little confusing at first blush. Jesus says, listen guys, a prophet's not without honor, or not, he has no honor in his hometown. And then they welcome him, is, is, is he wrong? Well, we know the answer to that question is no. Jesus was, was never wrong, so what's going on here? And a lot of competing theories have been given, one of which is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which was in Judea, and, and Jesus received more resistance down south than he did in Capernaum, being one of the more popular ones. But, but I don't think that's what John has in mind here. The, the problem... With, with views that try to somehow justify this welcoming as being a, a sincere welcoming of him as, as the Messiah, truly honoring him, is that there's the presumption that, that that was what they were doing, that it was true honor in their welcome. It's, a, it's, an, it's ignoring the, the greater context of this passage. You see, I think Jesus is, is contrasting what they just experienced in Samaria versus what they were about to experience back when he was with his people. You see, Jesus isn't just referring his home to his hometown of, uh, of Nazareth, or, uh, Nazareth or even Bethlehem for that matter, if you want to go back to where he was born. 
That, that word that's translated hometown is the Greek word patris, which also means country. I, I think what Jesus is referencing here is in contrast to the Samaritans who were not his fellow countrymen, he was going to receive no real honor recognizing his true identity from his home country, his countrymen. Does that make sense? Well, you see it throughout his life, throughout his ministry, that, that he was pretty much viewed as a, as a curiosity when he would go places. When they, they saw him as a, as a miracle worker, as being powerful. We're going to see in, in, in just a couple of weeks uh, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, everybody wants to make him king. But not long after that, when, when Jesus gives them a hard teaching, they all, they're out of dodge, with the exception of his disciples. So Jesus is not fully seen or, or received by the people as the Messiah. He is not honored in that way. So I, I think what, 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 what John is getting at is, is the contrast between what has just happened in Samaria with, with the people who were seen as the enemies of the Jews versus what he was going to experience in the rest of his ministry to his own people. This welcome in verse 45 is, is ironic. It's an ironic word choice because their welcome wasn't receiving him as the Messiah, but they were welcoming as someone who wanted to see him do more miracles. Hey, hey, Jesus, when we were all down in Jerusalem for the Passover, it was really cool when you did that. You got any more of those? That's amazing, right? Who doesn't want to see that? I mean, we are all left to ourselves, oftentimes preoccupied with the things that, that seem supernatural. You have entire movements that, 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 that have risen up over the course of church history that the sole or primary focus, focus of the ministry focuses on the supernatural. What did the Samaritans respond to? His word, that's right, whoever said that, A+. plus. His word. They responded and they honored him based on what he had to say. And as you look at the miracles of Jesus throughout the context of his ministry, they often happen in concert with, not always, but often in concert with what? His teaching. Jesus makes a, a powerful or outstanding complaint, uh, uh, statement about God. And he backs that up with the power of God. So the Jews were, 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 were focused at this point primarily on what Jesus could do. It was amazing, right? They're miraculous. We can't do those things. But they weren't concerned with whether or not this truly was the Messiah. They had seen their hometown boy in action in Jerusalem. And now that he was back home, they wanted to see more. And again, we, we have to contrast this with the Samaritans who believed on the basis of the words that he spoke. And then we see that Jesus truly had no honor among the majority of the Jews. So that's the setting. Jesus is back home. His fame is spreading. He's, he's, he's done some stuff down in Jerusalem that, 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 that the Galileans had seen. 
But they weren't ready to welcome home the Messiah. They weren't ready to welcome home the one that God had promised would come and would redeem His people, establish the, the kingdom of God. They were curious. They were curious, but there was one there who was desperate. And that's where we see the miracle, the healing of the nobleman's son or the royal official's son. Verses 46 through 53. So he came again to Cana in Galilee where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And, he was, and as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when, when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. Verse 46 tells us that Jesus returns to, to Cana in Galilee where he had made the water wine. Now, John's mentioning this first miracle in Cana is significant. And I'm actually going to come back to this in our conclusion because I think it reveals very important truths that we need to remember about who Christ is if we are to remain faithful in this life. Says so there was a, an official, a, a better translation would be a, a royal official at Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is, is a city that was 16 miles to the east and also a little north of Cana, and it was on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. So it was a little bit of a hike away. It takes about four to five hours to travel that far on foot, not that I've ever tried it. But 16 miles away, this, this official hears that Jesus is back in town. This royal official, he was most likely from King Herod Antipas's court. And Scripture doesn't say whether or not he was Jewish or he was a Roman advisor. And, and at this point, for this account, it's not important. But it is important that we keep in mind that this is not the same account as Jesus' healing of the centurion's servant that we read about in Matthew and Luke. There are similarities in the two stories, but they are also very different. It is not unbelievable that Jesus would heal many. We know that he did. But the royal official faced a serious problem. His son was dying. And the parents here will agree that there is nothing more terrifying as a parent than having a child who is in danger. Whether it be to sickness or physical or spiritual danger. It is heartbreaking. It is something that causes you to lose sleep at night. I remember when we first moved to Pennsylvania. 
And I was out doing youth ministry. And I received a call from the senior pastor of the church where I worked. And I answered the phone laughing because I just had a funny moment with the students. I said, Pastor Joel, Grace Baptist, you've had him here in this pulpit before. Sam, it's not good. Isaac's in the hospital. He was choking on a hot dog. Well, the laughter stopped. The sick feeling in the pit of the stomach came. The, the strength went out of my body. I didn't even live here long enough to know how to get to the hospital from where I was. And so someone else from the church jumped in the car, and I go flying through Willow Street down, to, down towards the city, thinking I was going to LGH. And as I'm weaving through traffic, probably at a speed you couldn't go through town anymore that fast because there's so many more people that live here now, a police officer pulls in behind me with his lights on, and I keep going. And as I stop outside the hospital, I, I, I throw the door open. Another bad idea <laughs> when a police officer pulls you over. And I'm screaming at this guy, my son is in the hospital. You have to let me go. I was at the wrong hospital. <laughs> and so the terror grows. And, and, and finally, we, we get over to the right hospital and, and and I rush into the room they take me into the room and there's my son sitting up normally <laughs> receiving breathing treatment treatments he had not choked on a hot dog he we didn't know it but he had breathing issues and my reaction was to cry like a baby because of the relief that I felt it's terrifying no one wants to hear that. No one wants to experience that. And, and it's not until we go through it that we realize just how little control we have over this life. Many of you have been through much, much worse. But as a parent, I can think of no more frightening feeling than, than, than knowing that your child is in danger. And so he comes to Jesus. He makes this journey. And he says, come down. Come down, my son is ill to the point of dying. And this phrase, come down, is a reference to elevation, not direction. He's not saying come down south. Capernaum was to the northeast. But Capernaum was also on the Sea of Galilee, which meant it was 700 feet below sea level. So if you came from any direction to go to Capernaum, you were going down. But Cana was also in the hills. So he says, come down, come down. The, the word asked in the ESV uh, as it relates to, to verse 47 is way too weak a word. In, in the Greek, it's in the imperative sense. It, it really could be understood as pleading. He pleaded with Jesus to come and heal his son. And Jesus' response seems harsh, right? Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. 
And while it is an abrupt answer, understanding that you in that sentence is actually plural, we come to realize that Jesus is not just speaking to the man, he's speaking to everyone present. And he's addressing the, the, the great issue of the heart of the Jews. They, they demanded signs and wonders in order to, to receive his teaching. He wasn't welcomed at all. Now, Jesus speaking to the group, saying, unless you have these things, you won't believe, probably sounded harsh to the official as well. But he was undeterred. Sir, Come down before my child dies. He had higher priorities than just worrying about his sensibilities being offended by Jesus' response. It may have been true for him as well that he wanted to see a sign. But his greater concern was the health of his child. His son was dying and he understood that Jesus was his only hope. And there is a desperation here, brothers and sisters, that must be present in our faith as well. He is our only hope. And if we lose everything but still have Jesus, then we've won. Do you believe that? Do you understand that that is true? That doesn't mean that we don't suffer pain. That doesn't mean we don't deal with loss. That doesn't mean that there's not sorrow. But at the end of it all, even in the midst of our grief, even as we are, are under the weight of, of sin and death in this world, we must realize as his followers, though it may all be taken away, if we have him, it is gain. And that must be our understanding as followers of Christ. Verse 50, Jesus says, Go, your son will live. This is the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Now, I think what we see here as we consider the, the account of this man is a faith that is deepening with each account that we see that word believe. First of all, we know that he believed that Jesus could heal his son because he traveled all the way from Capernaum to see Jesus. Secondly, we see not only that he believed that he could, but he believed that he did in his response to Jesus' words there in verse 50. But interestingly, we see that, that, that he does not start home again to the next day. Now, that's one of those things that I want to ask the guy about when I get there. Hey, dude, if that had been me, as soon as Jesus said he's well, I'm gone. I want to go see my boy. But for whatever reason, we see in verses 51 through 53 that the man encounters his servants who were coming to him the next day. And they bring good news. Your, 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 your son is recovering. He's going to live. The fever has left him at the seventh hour. Now, if you remember back from our study of Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well, we learned that the sixth hour was about noon. So, one o'clock in the afternoon, 
was when Jesus had this encounter with uh, the, the ruler or this official. But it's the next day as he's heading home that he encounters his servants with the good news. In verse 33, it says, He himself believed yet again, and all of his household. So his faith, his belief has, has gone just from being something personal. Maybe, maybe his family thought he was nuts to go to Jesus. Maybe he was late coming back home because Herod said, Hey, listen, pal, while you're in Cana, I need you to do something for me before you come back. We, we don't know, but we do know that when he comes back, that his, his faith has gone from something that might happen to, to believing something that has happened to, to the fact that his whole family believed as a result of what Christ had done. The father knew it wasn't something that happened by chance. The guy didn't just, the kid didn't just miraculously start getting better. He knew that it was at the very moment that Jesus told him that his son would live that he truly began to live. We're reminded yet again that Jesus' power was not something that was limited by proximity. Sure, he could have made the journey, but he didn't need to. Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, John refers to him as as well. The one sent of God to redeem the people. Had power over death, over disease. And it was not relative to where his location was. And this is true of all the miracles he performed. But he did what he did the way he did in order to reveal truths about himself to those who were present and to us who would read about them through his word. Verse 54 says, Now this this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Why does John keep pointing us back to this first miracle Jesus did in Cana of Galilee? Well, let me give you a little encouragement as to how to read the Gospel of John. When you see things like this, whether they be little comments that he makes as an aside or, or things that he repeats again, he, he wants you to stop and think about it. He, he wants us to go back and, and to compare what's happened here. Jesus' first ministry in Cana versus his second ministry. Or his first uh, miracle versus his second miracle in Cana. So let's do that. Let's compare these two miracles. How were they similar? <laughs> well, we see that both miracles were performed on what could be understood as the third day. John 2.1 says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. John 4, 43, after two days, he departed for Galilee. So after two days is what? Three days, right? Both miracles involved a rebuke. You remember that he even rebuked his mom. And kids, I encourage you not to do that. You're not Jesus. He rebuked his mother, and he also rebukes the official and the people present. 
Both involved actions on the part of others. The, the servants in chapter 2 had to serve from jars that they had just poured water in. And the man had to trust and go home without knowing whether or not it's Jesus had truly healed his son. These are ways that they're similar, but I, I think the lesson that we are to learn is through how these miracles are different. And the difference is just one. Jesus' miracle at the wedding took place at a very joyous occasion. Did it not? It's a wedding. It wasn't some Lancaster County, you know, 40-minute service and then a three-hour meal and dance party afterwards. These things went on for days. It was a celebration. And Jesus' first miracle was a blessing of it by allowing it to continue to be a celebration rather than a shame to the bridegroom. But what are the situation, what is the situation with the nobleman's son initially? It's tragic, right? His son is dying. And the lesson here, brothers and sisters, is as I stated to begin with, Jesus is Lord in every situation. He, there's never a time that he's not. There's never a time that he's not in control, brothers and sisters. Do you believe that? He's not just a savior when things are going great. But thankfully, when life is at its worst as well. He's our Savior when we struggle to believe, and He is no less faithful than when we see His hand clearly at work. Do we believe this, church? We better. We better because this world can be a hard place. Look at our prayer list just over the past two weeks. Look at our prayer list throughout 2021. Hard things happen. And we better understand that He is Lord over the hard things as well. Because if we don't, we are going to fall when the heat is turned up in our lives. Praise God for His grace that when we do fall, we are, we are His, He is with us, He picks us up again. But the expectation, brothers and sisters, as followers of Christ, as we learn to trust Him day after day, as we depend upon Him, as we cling to Him in our hour of need, is that that faith becomes stronger. He is glorified in our response. He is glorified in how we walk through these trials together. The calls, the cards, the, the letters that go out, those make a difference. They remind a, a struggling believer that, 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 that the church is there, that God's love is, is present, not just in the, in, in, the, in the real sense of God's love towards us, but also in the expression of God's love for us through the love of His people. And we need to recognize that as those who may not be going through those difficult times, that we have an obligation and an opportunity 
to care for one another well in our times of need. We've got to get that. This is not just a holy huddle that is supposed to take place once a week. This is supposed to be life on life. Loving one another, forgiving one another, caring for one another. Building one another up in the faith, even, yes, confronting one another when necessary. And we all need that ongoing reminder when things are great and when things are bad that Jesus is Lord. That's how John bookends these first two signs that he records that are to direct us to the fact that Jesus truly is the Son of God and that through believing in him we may have life in his name. He's Lord over the celebration and he's Lord over the tragedy and he is at work in both. Do we believe that? We must. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for this reminder from your word. And I publicly confess, Lord, my sin of not believing it at times over the past week. Would you forgive my weakness and my unbelief? Lord, would you help us as your people, as we walk this road together, Lord, to be faithful, to prioritize the things that are truly important, to love and to build one another up, to be faithful in our worship of you and, and our support and care for one another. Lord, that the name of Jesus would be seen as glorious by all who know us because of our faith in you. We pray in your name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.
today is from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Have a great week.